Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. problems. But when Jeremy Capallo looked in the mirror, he knew things were not quite normal. The mirror's not working. They say older women are different. He just wanted to find out how. At last, a movie you can sink your teeth into. I'm a vampire. Wait, you're telling me that I'm going to be a teenager for another 20 years? But it wasn't just his lust for blood which caused the problems. What are you saying, that they think I'm a vampire? Now the vampire hunters are after him. Stay back! You don't want me! I'm old! My blood's polluted with cholesterol! Oh my god! Oh. I love my glasses. I got a crazy teacher who wears dark glasses. The stakes are high. Someone's going to get it in the neck. And soon. So you think you have problems? Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie My Best Friend is a Vampire from 1988. The studio was King's Road Entertainment. The release date was May 6th, 1988. The running time, 89 minutes, with a rating of PG. Couldn't find the budget because this is definitely a small budget film, and the box office took in the lowest of any movie I've ever covered, which is $174,000, which made it the 227th ranked movie of 1988. There are no ratings on Rotten Tomatoes and no reviews. So I'm pretty sure I first saw this movie at a friend's house on cable, and we were probably skimming the movie stations, you know, during a sleepover or something like that. So either that or we rented it. But as you can guess, this was, again, a really low-budget horror comedy and very of the time. But for me, it's a lot of fun. So when it was finally released on DVD in the early 2000s, I figured I'd buy it to see if it still held up to my memories. And for the most part, it does. And as you probably know already, if you've listened to enough of the podcast, pretty much anything from the 80s, I'll give a shot. The film is in the vein, pun sort of intended, of other 80s vampire comedies like Once Bitten or The Monster Squad. So let's get into the main cast. I'm only going to mention one person because he really is the main cast, but we'll talk about other people later uh, as I describe the film. So the main person is Robert Sean Leonard. He plays Jeremy. And this was one of his early films, but his big break would be his next film in 1989, and that being Dead Poets Society with Robin Williams. His best-known role would come years later on the TV show House as Dr. James Wilson. As I said before, I'll cover the other actors as they pop up in the details about the film. Alright, so let's get right into the movie. So it starts with some pretty (laughs) typical cheesy 80s movie pop rock. 
this song is Heartbeat Getting Stronger from Nicholas Tremulous. I've never heard of him. I couldn't even find the song clip, but take my word for it. You've heard this song a million times in every 80s B-movie. And then the movie starts with a dream sequence. If I had to pick a beginning to this bizarre story, I guess it would have to be the dream. Yeah, definitely the dream. That's when it all started. That's me, Jeremy Capello, sitting inside the tuba. If I appear disoriented, it's because I don't know how to play a tuba or any other musical instrument. I'm not in the band. That's Candy Andrews. She's a cheerleader. I think she likes me. But for some unknown reason, I can't keep my eyes off Darla Blake, musical prodigy, Juilliard candidate perhaps, but not what you would call centerfold material. In fact, Darla Blake is not someone you would call, period. Then comes the note. I can't believe it, but I'm fascinated. Follow me. It seemed like a good idea at the time. So I went for it. Suddenly, I'm in the girls' locker room. No man's land. The forbidden zone. I'd heard the horror stories. Men caught in here were castrated and made to pass out towels for eternity. A living hell I could do without. And then I see her. She's gorgeous. Is this the same Darla Blake? Without being too obvious, I check out her birthday suit. She asks me to take a shower with her. I tell her I'm clean, but she insists. Make love to me, she says. I tell her we're moving too fast. I offer to take her to lunch instead. I, 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 suddenly there's a new babe in my arms. I'm shocked. I excuse myself and ask, where's Darla? She tells me to kiss her. I say, whose dream is this anyway? I'm looking for Darla. She tells me to kiss her again. I refuse. Then things get ugly. It's funny that Jeremy says that Darla Blake, played by Cheryl Pollock, isn't good looking because it's the typical trope where she's wearing glasses and has short brown hair, kind of like uh, the Pat Benatar hairstyle. You know, therefore, she's unattractive. No, it's not true at all. She's very cute, and even with the glasses, it doesn't make a difference. So unlike most movies of this era, there is no gratuitous nudity. It is PG, after all. But as for Pollock's career uh, after this film, she appeared in a variety of TV shows, including the original version of Melrose Place. She hasn't appeared in anything since 2002. Jeremy's best friend is named Ralph, played by uh, Evan Morand. He's the typical horn dog friend who gives his best buddy tons of love advice, but can't score a girl on his own. He also drives a VW Cabriolet convertible, which normally that was the go-to cute girl car of there. <laughs> so it's kind of a dichotomy there. His license plate says BVR space H-U-N-T, that is Beaver Hunt. Moran was kind of fun in this role, but was mostly a character actor on short-run TV shows, though he did appear in Fight Club in a small role. So my guess is that the producer spent the majority of the budget on obtaining the rights to use Blondie's one way or another in this movie. In any case, it plays early on in the film during one of the classroom scenes. 
So as Jeremy's dream suggested, a super hot girl in his class seems to like him, and her name is Candy Andrews, and she's played by uh, Leanne Locken, who sort of looks like Rosanna Arquette, but because of the dream, Jeremy keeps looking at Darla. Darla then passes him a note that says, Stop staring, creep. Jeremy works as a delivery boy for a small grocery store. He has to make a delivery to a house that has supposedly been abandoned. around strangers. Is anything the matter? Uh, no, um, I just thought you were somebody else. Have we met before? I'm not sure. You're bleeding. I feel responsible. Let me see. Uh, it, it's really just, just a scratch. Um... When I was little and scratched my finger, my mother would always kiss it. My mother used band-aids. I, I, I've got one in the car. How's that? Better? Much better. Um, I have to go. Jeremy. Yes? Do you find me attractive? Very. Uh, I have to go. More deliveries, you know? I like you, Jeremy. Can you come back later? You, you, want, you want me to, to come back? How about tonight? I, I, I really... Really have to go. Around midnight? I'm a night owl. Uh, night owl. As you can guess, the cat was actually Nora because vampires can shapeshift if you know your vampire lore. Nora is played by Cecilia Peck, and it's funny, I just realized that Robert Sean Leonard kind of looks like a teenage Jim Carrey, which of course is ironic since Jim Carrey got his film break in the vampire movie called Once Bitten with Lauren Hutton. Of course, Ralph tells Jeremy he has to meet Nora because this is his big chance to get laid, and it makes for a perfect movie plot, plus Ralph agrees to drive Jeremy there. So, a professor named Leopold McCarthy, played by David Warner, and his schlubby assistant, Grimsdyke, played by Paul Wilson, have been monitoring Nora for a while and waiting for the chance to catch her in the act of being a vampire. Of note, fans of uh, Office Space will recognize Paul Wilson as one of the Bobs. Hello? <laughs> Don't even think about it. Up there? Yeah? 
Why am I talking to a cat? expecting you. Oh, boy. Go ahead. Look at me, Jeremy. Don't be afraid. Uh, who said dreams don't come true? <laughs> I'm glad you came. Um, I, I want you to know um, that I'm, I'm usually not this forward with women. <laughs> Gorgeous woman I ever met. I don't even know your name. Call me Nora. Nora? <laughs> I thought that was your cat's name. Whatever. Did you hear something? You're not expecting anyone, are you? Um. Ah! Stop this obscenity! Oh, God. Oh. Get him! Oh, you. Hey! You! Hey! Stop! Hey, Brickpot! Jeremy runs out of the house naked, wrapped in a bedsheet. In the meantime, the professor kills Nora and blows up the mansion that she lived in. For all that Jeremy knows, the professor was a husband or a boyfriend that came home and caught them. Unfortunately for Jeremy, he was bitten by Nora, and you know what that means. So there's a funny plot point as stray dogs always seem to follow Jeremy after he was bitten. The next morning, Jeremy looks extremely pale and doesn't feel like eating. The Professor and Grimsdyke are essentially vampire hunters, though they seem to be misguided, bumbling, and idiotic. Jeremy noticed that a mysterious man in a suit seems to keep appearing everywhere he goes, so more on that later. The vampire hunters follow Jeremy and Ralph after school, and Ralph will drive his little VW like a man, <laughs> kind of, in a typical 80s car chase scene with a great generic 80s synth music. This is really kind of, you know, typical and good stuff of the 80s. Jeremy notices that the guy following him doesn't have a reflection when he appears at the grocery store. Jeremy can't figure out why he's not hungry, so he keeps making weird concoctions to nourish himself, and eventually realizes that he really just craves the blood from raw meat. Finally, the mysterious man that keeps following Jeremy visits him. Wake up, Jeremy. 
Jeremy. We have to talk. Oh, shit. I'm too young to go to jail. Then permit me to introduce myself. I am Modoc at your service. You mean you're not a cop? Jeremy, it has come to my attention that you have recently had a sordid sexual encounter with a strange and beautiful woman. It wasn't sordid. You were bitten by this woman, were you not? That's none of your damn business. Jeremy, this woman was, how shall I say, infected. Oh, God. She looked so clean. Oh, all right. I'll cooperate. But please, don't tell my parents. I think I'm missing something in the translation here. You're not from the health department. No. All right. What is this all about? Have you experienced anything strange or unusual during the past 24 hours? Just you. <laughs> How about them? A couple of stupid dogs. Big deal. They know, Jeremy. When that woman bit you, she transferred a legacy under you, the legacy of a secret society which has endured for centuries. You're not like other people anymore. Come on, who the hell are you? A new awareness is arising within you, new desires. Even as we speak, you can feel it, can't you? No! No longer will you tread with ordinary men. Get to the point! <sighs> all right, all right. In a nutshell, you're alive, but you're not alive. You're dead, but you're not dead. Do you ever hear the word undead? How about this one? Vampire? I hope you've heard that one, because that's what you are, okay? A vampire? Mm. I wanted to break it to you nice and easy, but no. Everything with you young people has to be fast, fast, fast. Get out of here. I know. It's a shock. No one wants to believe it can happen to them. I'm not a vampire. Hi. Get out of here. Jeremy. Hi. Uh, I thought I heard you talking to somebody. Uh, no. That was the radio. Modoc is played by Rene Abergenois. I can't pronounce his last name. I think it's French. In any case, he's basically Jeremy's tutor in, a, in an attempt uh, to live as an undead person. What Modoc tries to teach Jeremy is that not all vampires exist to kill humans. Essentially, this movie is a tale of good vampires. So, it really is a novel approach for a teen movie. Arbor Genois, I think that's how it's pronounced, is definitely the most prolific actor of this cast, and he still appears on TV today. He was also Father Mulcahy in the movie version of M.A.S.H. from 1970. There's a funny scene where Modoc gives Jeremy a book to study, and the book is called Vampirism, A Practical Guide to an Alternative Lifestyle. Pig's blood will nourish Jeremy's hunger, and Modoc gives him the name of an all-night butcher. <laughs> Jeremy has a tough time believing he's a vampire, not surprisingly. So the two doofus vampire hunters again try to follow the boys while Ralph is in the middle of Driver's Ed, which leads to a funny chase scene uh, trying to evade the hunters. It just dawned on me, how can Ralph be driving his own car, which is the girly VW, if he's still in Driver's Ed? Ah, the movies. 
Jeremy finally decides to ask Darla out, and she agrees, which leads him to meeting her parents when he goes to pick her up, and of course, it's awkward, as all first dates are meeting the parents. And her mom just happens to be Kathy Bates, in a very early role for her. So on second thought, Bates would go on to be the most prolific cast member, not Rene Abergeois. must be Jeremy. We're so happy to see you. Don't block the doorway, Helen. Let the boy come in. I'm Darla's father, Buddy Blake. You can call me Buddy. Oh, okay, Buddy. This is my wife, Helen. Hi. You're a sharp-looking boy. Isn't he a sharp-looking boy, Buddy? He certainly is. Well, let's see if Darla's ready. Princess! Your escort is here. Coming. Jeremy? No. I'm driving. Of course. Good answer. There she is. Isn't she lovely? Come on, Mom. Cut it out. They make a really cute couple, don't they, Helen? Just like us. Hi. Hi. Okay, kids. Up against the wall. Mom! Oh, come on now. Don't spoil your father's fun. Ready now? Okay. Oh, wait, wait. Helen, they're perfect. Oh, this is totally humiliating. Okay, big smiles now. One more. One more for Grandma. Say cheese. Look, we're late. We've got to go. Bye. Have a good time, princess. I'm really sorry Look, about that. I understand. Don't worry about it. I have parents too. <laughs> Bam! What's wrong? Didn't they turn out? Piece of junk. So I love how Kathy Bates sprays hairspray all over Darla. And in the Polaroids, Jeremy is missing in the photo since he's a vampire now, which is why Darla's father calls the camera a piece of junk. Jeremy and Darla go on a typical 80s teenager date to a pizza place in which Jeremy orders the garbage can pizza, which includes everything. I can't remember the last time I went to a pizza parlor, but those were the days when you actually did that. DoorDash is so convenient and all, but I miss the places with video games and whatnot. Unfortunately, Jeremy learns that he can't eat the pizza because garlic is on it. <laughs> So Jeremy really likes Darla, but realizes when he goes to the makeout point that when things start to get a little hot and heavy, his fangs start to appear. Realizing that he can't hurt her, he just drives away and leaves Darla there, which seems like a major dick move, but he was actually just trying to save her. Of course, Darla doesn't know this and is pissed off, as she should be. So Jeremy ends up at Whole Foods Market, which I don't think is the same place that we all know of now. But it is the all-night butcher. And so I love Jeremy's ordering tactics, which is like a teenager trying to buy condoms. He inflates his order to avoid being obvious. Can I get you anything? Yes. <laughs> I'd like um, a, a, two of those. Three T-bones. Um, and six chickens, please. Ah, oh, what else? I'd like a, 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 a quart of pig's blood. <clears throat> what was that last one? 
a quart of pig's blood. A quart of pig's blood. A pint. A pint of pig's blood. How much for just the blood? Two fifty-nine. Thank you. First time, huh, kid? I'm a vampire. Well, I'm heavenly blessed and worldly wise. I'm a peeping Tom Techie with x-ray eyes. Things are going great and they're only getting better. I'm doing all right, getting good grades. The future's so bright. I've got to wear shades. Proud of you, Jeremy. Got my vote for Vampire Rookie of the Year. Why is this happening to me? I've been good. No drugs, no alcohol. I, I do my homework. Why me? Look, try not to think of this as a handicap. I mean, there are a lot worse things than being a vampire. Are you aware that one of the past presidents of these United States was a vampire? Which one? That's not the point. I... I'm trying to illustrate that life can still be full, it can still be rewarding, that there are certain advantages to being a vampire. Yeah? Name one. All right. How old do you think I am? I don't know, 40, 50, so what? <clears throat> this coming October, I shall celebrate my 265th birthday. For every decade, you shall age but a single year. Not a bad deal. What? <laughs> Wait, you're telling me that I'm going to be a teenager for another 20 years? Are you going to sit around and sulk for the next century? No. But I deserve a few minutes. I happen to like garlic. Well, it's a minor loss. Garlic just doesn't go with blood. But there are compensations. With a long life... You're going to have a chance to meet some of the most fascinating people on earth. Over the years, I've known people like Pablo Picasso, Sigmund Freud, Isabel Watson, Madame Curie. Who's Isabel Watson? Trust me, she was fascinating. What's more, with time on your side, you're going to have the opportunity to pursue your interests to their fullest. You sound like my guidance counselor. Look, all I'm trying to say is that whether you're a vampire or a regular person, you must set goals, make plans, live a full life. You can live several of them. Yeah, well, that's just great, but you're forgetting one thing. I made a fool of myself with Darla because I'm a vampire. Come on, come on. Men have been making fools of themselves for centuries where women are concerned. Luckily for us, they uh, rather like it. She'll come around as soon as she thinks you've suffered enough. No, no, you don't know Darla Blake. Then again, there are the powers. Powers? I wish you'd read that book. I mean, you might find some pleasant surprises in there, like how to emit a certain irresistible charm. What page? Try the index under trances. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hey, hey, can I turn into a bat? Don't be silly. So that's right. During the montage, you hear Timbuk3's biggest hit, The Future's So Bright, I Gotta Wear Shades. 
I did love that song as a kid. So the pig's blood says low fat and no MSG, which means it's already healthier than Chinese food. Jeremy tries to apologize to Darla to no avail, but it leads to a funny scene where he tries to do mind control to get her to go out with him. But he still needs practice. However, he does decide to come out of the vampire closet to Ralph. Hi, Miss Oh, hi, Ralph. You know, Jeremy's been acting pretty weird lately. Do you have any idea what's wrong with him? Not really. He's a pretty complicated guy. What do you mean? Um, he's having some girl problems. That's probably all it is. Uh, well, uh, Ralph, uh, see if you can find out what's bothering him, okay? I will, Mrs. Capello. My son has a problem with girls? The goddamn white van is still following me. What? Why is it following you? gone? Yeah. Man, I don't get this. Ralph, I've got something to tell you. I'm... I'm a vampire. That's cool, man. That's all you're gonna say to me? That's cool? Jeremy, you're my best friend. What do you want me to say? I think you're crazy? No, no. Remember I was telling you about that cop that was trailing me? Yeah. He told me that that woman who bit me was a vampire. He told me I was a vampire. A cop told you that? Ralph, he wasn't a cop. He's a vampire, too. Wow. <laughs> you don't believe me, do you? To tell you the truth, man, I'm kind of torn. See, I have this problem with vampirism in general. Come on, let me show you something. Come on, let's go. Go in. Yeah, David Copperfield does his stuff all the time. I once saw him make the Statue of Liberty disappear. <laughs> okay. But let me show you something David Copperfield doesn't do. Yeah, it's red and it's liquid. Is it blood? Ralph. Well, what did he say? You don't want to know. Ralph, I'm his mother. I want to know what's bothering him. No, you don't. Trust me. Some things are too personal. Too personal? Of course, this means that Jeremy's parents thinks he's gay because he has, quote, girl problems and that they heard a man's voice in his room. But Jeremy has much bigger things to worry about as Modoc informs Jeremy that he has to let him go out on his own now because without Modoc's help. So the title of the film is sort of random because it would imply that the story is told through the point of view of Ralph, but it isn't at all. It's a B-movie for a reason, but again, it's definitely enjoyable. So then we get the obligatory heavy metal slash punk scene at a random club. This is cheese at its finest. The band looks like Poison Rejects, the band, while the patrons at the club look like they are rejects from The Decline of Western Civilization Part 1, which was the punk documentary by Penelope Spears. 
The rest of the movie includes various plot points, including Jeremy's parents dealing with their quote-unquote gay son, Jeremy trying to win back Darla, and of course getting rid of the vampire hunters. Look, this is not an Oscar award-winning film, but it's a fun B-movie, especially if you're a vampire buff and an 80s teen movie fan. So one of the fun facts is there is a fun connection for two of the actresses in the film. Fanny Flagg, who plays Jeremy's mother, wrote the novel to Fry Green Tomatoes. And, of course, Kathy Bates later starred in the adaptation of that book. Alright, so should you go out and watch this? Eh, it's up to you. If you can find it, sure. It's quick, and that's all I'm all about. I just recently watched It, Chapter 2. That movie is almost three hours long. It's a horror movie, <laughs> and it's three hours long. you got to be joking me nowadays. Uh, there, why would you go see a three-hour movie that isn't The Godfather? Uh, yeah, I, I really, really don't get movie makers today. Give me 90 minutes. It's going to be good. You're not The Godfather. In any case, I'll get off my soapbox now. Go watch My Best Friend is a Vampire, or don't. It's up to you. Anyway, I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie, yes, random, from my DVD collection. Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now, get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com. From 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues. Because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the bad beat. Because even when you lose, you still win. We are officially on Spotify now, so if you don't use iTunes, if you don't use the Podbean app, you can go to Spotify and get all of our past episodes. You can stream it on there, so if you're a Spotify user, you can go find Damn Good Movie Memories. <laughs> I can't even say my own podcast. Damn Good Movie Memories. Yes, I know what I'm talking about. I'm the host, right? Okay, so go to Spotify, look for Damn Good Movie Memories. You can stream all of that stuff. And yeah, so if you don't want to use iTunes, you don't want to use Podbean, you can use Spotify as well. All right, before we sign off, we do have t-shirts are available for sale. All you have to do is go to tpublic, that's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com, and you can get your very own Damn Good Movie Memories t-shirt. You can get all sizes, any gender, you can get whatever you want just at the tip of your fingers. So just go to tpublic.com, look up Damn Good Movie Memories, and you can get your very own t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for Damn Good Movie Memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. I am Dr. Fuck. And I'm the actual alcoholic. And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. And the way you can check us out is we are on iTunes and also Podbean. And we forgot a review recently. I got this review right here. It says right here, it says, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, 
is the greatest podcast in the world, and it's my number one podcast, signed by Science. Now, and then Science also said... Science! Science also said, my second favorite podcast is It Doesn't Matter, The Rest Suck. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Poppy. Check it out. Science! Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. This is Stephen Michael from the Growing Up Rock Podcast. If you're like me and my co-host, Sonny Hollywood Pooney, you grew up loving hard rock and metal music. Check out our podcast where we talk to bands and artists that help create the soundtrack to our lives, along with playing some killer new and old deep tracks of kick-ass, guitar-driven rock and roll. Find us wherever you find your podcast to listen to, That's the Growing Up Rock Podcast, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. And feel free to hit us up at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Growing Up Rock. So sit back and crank it up.